Welcome, YouTube creators, to the Tube Labs podcast, because you can't experiment enough or talk too much YouTube. Welcome to the Tube Labs podcast. I'm your host, Ross Sillers. It's so good to have you here as we talk about the mistakes people make when trying to grow a YouTube channel. And let me tell you, not only have I seen it in clients, not only have I seen it with the people I've consulted with, I have seen it in my own channels. And I've seen what works and what does not work. And it is a continuous theme. There are a few of them. And I want to go through those to hopefully maybe help you dig through and figure out what the problems might be with your channel and why it's not growing or not growing fast enough. The first thing is very straightforward, and that is too broad of a channel. People will often get on YouTube and say, well, I'm going to try a different a few different things and see what works or, you know what, uh, I, I just can't settle on one thing, so I'm just going to drive through this and make it work. And I got to tell you, that was my approach when I first started getting serious with YouTube. I just figured, hey, I'm going to try a number of different things and a different approaches and topics and see what works. The problem is quite often you will never get the momentum on any one of those topics except for, well, this one video. This one video that you'll have that will take off and it's a video that's a little off, a little odd, has nothing to do with what you really want to do videos about and it's gonna skew your channel even more. I've seen that one a million times too and it's no fun. I mean, it's nice Look, it's nice to have a viral video, but once that thrill is over with and it has nothing to do really with your long-term approach, or at least it's the least interesting thing to you, you're going to have a problem. And so you need to consider what it is that you really can niche down on and not create this broad approach. The next thing that I see, and it's along a similar vein, and that is vlogging. Just deciding that you're going to jump in and be a great vlogger. That's tough to do. Even tougher than if you had a niche that you, know, you have a lot of information about. Something that you can share good quality information about regularly. Let me tell you, trying to jump in and vlog without having one of these two things, one, well-known expertise at a very high level in your field. In other words, you're somebody that people are interested in, maybe at conferences, or maybe you are an authority or, or have a book out or a blog that's really well-known on that topic, or even possibly Instagram. You're, you're an influencer at some level on Instagram or another social media platform and you go over to YouTube and you can bring an audience with you and start building that momentum. But that's hard to do. The other thing is being famous already. And that's similar to what I was just saying, but that can be industry specific where being famous could be someone who has had a TV show, been in the movies, done something that's very well known and that people would be interested in watching or earning more or getting more information or just interested in the daily life. Because quite honestly, 
Nobody's really interested in my daily life. Seriously. I mean, I, I, I work at an agency, my own agency, and if you're an agency owner, you might find some tidbits that would be helpful once in a while, but the day-to-day life of Rosh Sillers is not that exciting to most. And so having a successful vlogging channel would be really tough. Now, if you have an amazing personality, can bring humor and really have a presence on video from the start, look, it is possible, but it is really hard. And I I would recommend that you find your niche first. Maybe down the road, you want to broaden out into more of a vlogging channel and you can test those waters down the road. There's nothing wrong with having that goal, but don't start there. It's, it's most likely not going to work. Yes, there is that rare occasion that it does, but you have to have something really special to make that work starting out of the gate. The next mistake is not really testing your content. Yeah, you may look at the views and see that, oh, this one got more views than the other one, and maybe I'll double down on one versus the other, but sometimes there is a traffic source issue that you need to look at. So one thing that I see that a lot of people are doing that they really need to pay attention to is is consider their traffic sources. That's super important. But there's also something else I think that's important in the testing. And people just don't test. They want to create content and they just throw it out there without a plan or understanding what is really happening. So the test mechanism that I recommend the most, and a lot of actually YouTube educators recommend, and I, and I think it's, it's amazing that this option is there in your YouTube analytics, and that is grouping. Grouping videos together. Now this, this has been an option for quite a while, even before the new YouTube studio. It's important to be able to put groups of videos together based on different criteria. And so if you want to test a series of maybe five videos, maybe a certain niche or a style, maybe you want to test a talking head video versus a more action-oriented, even vlog-ish kind of a video, or maybe it's all B-roll with voiceover. I mean, there are many ways, animations. It all depends on your niche. But you can test the different types of videos against each other and see how they perform. There are many metrics now within YouTube analytics that can show you how your videos are performing compared to the previous day. The first 24 hours, I think, is a great metric. But being able to compare videos based on the themes, but not just that. You can also compare your videos based on thumbnails or style of thumbnail or maybe length. See which videos seem to perform better based on length. Any criteria that you can think of, you can create groupings of. You just select the videos you want to compare to and you can compare them as an ongoing thing that you're looking at or just as going through your archive and comparing what you've done in the past and see what has worked using different metrics that you can compare to versus click-through rates or 
watch time as a whole or average view duration. These are all elements that we know that are important, but when we can compare these groups, it really can help us narrow down to what is truly working for our audience. Next has to do with equipment. And yes, equipment can have value in the production of what you're trying to create, but sometimes I think people, new YouTubers especially, put too much emphasis on their success based on the type of equipment they generally don't have and think that that's going to be the thing that's going to get them where they want to go. Now, it is true that a nice camera can help in some ways and good lighting is very helpful especially great audio is super important but technology is so advanced now that a phone will do amazing work and you can create absolutely phenomenal videos with your creativity just using your phone your camera phone so don't think it's all about the equipment you can and you should improve over time and you'll notice that many successful YouTubers have done just that. But the thing is, you don't know what equipment you need until you start to record. And when you record, you'll, you'll start to notice, oh, you know what, maybe I do need better lighting over here. Now that's not going to necessarily improve your views and new subscribers immediately, but over time it will offer a good foundation of production quality that people, your viewers, will expect from you and they'll know you as a higher quality uh, production down the line. But not everybody is looking for that high quality production. Sometimes they just want to laugh. Sometimes they're just looking for the information and don't care much about the flash. The key here is to not let equipment stop you from starting and creating more videos or just thinking that that is the reason why you may or may not be reaching your goals. The next thing is something I am certainly guilty of and that is dealing with thumbnails. I have a system that I use to create thumbnails that helps me create thumbnails a little bit quicker. But you know what? A good quality thumbnail most certainly plays a big role to get people to click on your video. It doesn't guarantee success, but a good thumbnail will give you a chance to get people's attention. Success comes in after they click that thumbnail and they watch your entire video. But if, if you have a great video and no one's clicking on it, it's, it's also just not going to be a success. So making thumbnails a last second idea or the thing you do while the video is uploading, once again, guilty, guilty as charged. I have spent more time on thumbnails and had great success and there's many times I've just been rushed because I am busy. I run an agency. I am doing many different things throughout the day that, that pushes me to rush through those thumbnails sometimes. And there are times I just have to step back and say, look, I need to do a better job at developing this thumbnail, so I will wait until tomorrow to publish the video, to give me more time to work on this thumbnail because it's that important.
Even better, it's important to create multiple thumbnails and choose from those different thumbnails based on maybe a survey. You can use social media to develop a survey. Which one? Go into a group or a forum that people are familiar with you and they do the same thing like what might be the best thumbnail. There are a number of groups that will allow you to do that and that's not a bad way to go. But you can talk to the people around you and say which, which thumbnail would you click on. That's important because you know if you just create one thumbnail well then you have one shot and it better be right every time. Sometimes the creative process just takes a few incarnations of your idea. So create your first idea and then springboard off of that and try another idea or change some colors around, change fonts around if it's not part of your, your design, your logo or look that people recognize. Sometimes changing a font around or colors around can be very helpful or trying different types of imagery. There are many ways to approach your thumbnail. But you do still want to have some type of consistency, something that's recognizable, like a logo, throughout your thumbnails. And the main reason is because you want people to recognize your work quickly. Because when they are looking on their homepage or the sidebar with suggested videos, you want people to recognize, oh, another one of your videos. If they liked your last video, well, YouTube is now suggesting another video, and if they see an element that translates quickly in their brain and it says, oh, there's another one of Sam's videos, I want to see another video of his or hers, well, then that is the trigger that'll help increase that click-through rate because they already enjoy your work. You're just making it easier for them to find you in a crowded scene of other videos. The next mistake I see is not giving it enough time. A lot of times we think that, wow, it's, it's taken weeks to get any momentum or it's taken months to get momentum. Well, let me tell you something. It takes years for many people to get momentum. I have had the opportunity to consult with a few YouTubers who started in the fall and around Christmas, and they have 10,000 subs already. And I, I recall just a few years ago, some of my friends who are really pushing to get 10,000 subs in a year, and they're getting it in four and five months. So it is possible. And if you, if you do that and you keep it going, I mean, chances are you're going to have a silver play button within another year, year and a half if you just keep it going and keep that momentum going. YouTube is a momentum animal. And if you're doing things right from the beginning and keep compounding on that momentum, you're going to win the game of YouTube. But for most of us, you can't have that timeline of just a few months. And let me tell you something. The people who are getting to 10,000 in five, six months, they're telling me how hard it is, how hard YouTube is. It took me all these months. It's like, look. I talk to people on a regular basis that take years just to get to a thousand. So don't complain, you're doing a good job. And if that's you, you're doing a good job. 
but you're also doing a good job if you get to a thousand in a year. Finding your audience is the key. And again, sometimes that audience is a little too narrow and sometimes that audience is a little too broad. So you need to figure out that sweet spot. And some YouTubers are lucky enough to get it right out of the gate. And some YouTubers, you just don't know where they came from. They may have a blog, they may have an Instagram, they may have another YouTube channel that they have experience with. You'd be amazed at how many YouTubers, and I've mentioned this a number of times before, how many YouTubers had other channels that have failed. YouTube is littered with other channels that have failed, but you see the latest channel and their latest videos and say, wow, it looks so easy for them. But no, it was years to finally find the right combination for them. And that's what it is, finding the right combination for your audience, finding the audience and finding out, figuring out what your audience wants best from you. And sometimes, well, mostly, it doesn't take a few weeks or a few months. Start off with a year plan. What are you going to do over this year? And maybe have a goal of getting to 1,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 subs in a year and then make adjustments along the way. But thinking that you're going to have that silver play button or a million subscribers in a short period of time, it, it tends to be rather unrealistic. The next mistake I see is YouTubers going it alone. And there are a number of ways to not go it alone. You can have friends that are supportive, other people who are interested in YouTube. But even collaborations or getting involved in groups with similar types of YouTubers can be really beneficial because you can share the information, share the data, and if there is a connection, actually share your audience. But there is a mistake that I see a lot when it comes to collaborations, and that is basing collaborations on numbers. In other words, one YouTuber has 20,000 subscribers and another one has 5,000, and that one with 5,000 thinks they've hit the jackpot. A bigger YouTuber is going to collaborate with me. But the thing is, if your audiences are not similar, in other words, if one YouTuber talks about cars and another YouTuber talks about motorcycles, well, maybe there's some crossover and that's a possibility. But maybe one talks about race cars and the other one talks about bicycle riding. Now, there's enough of a gap there, I think, that it's, there's going to be very little crossover. Really, what you probably want is a YouTube channel that talks about trucks and your YouTube channel talks about trucks. Maybe there's a little different angle about it, but there's a very similar topic and audience that will cross over. Now, that can work out. And not only that, finding a few different channels to work together. I've seen many channels work together by passing off audiences it's one of those things where, you, you know, you, you've watched a YouTube creator and then after a while you notice, oh, that they talk about another YouTube creator and then you start to see suggested videos from that YouTube creator and then you go see them and you notice that, oh, they talk about them. And, oh, it seems like they're all kind of friends. It's a group of three or four or five YouTube creators and they're all kind of friends and kind of support each other. 
Well, that is a cluster of YouTube channels working together, and that is a highly valuable system. So you do want to collaborate and not go alone because being a YouTube creator can be very lonely. So you want to have that support to keep you going. And it's even more fun when it's a group of YouTube creators growing together. Now, not everyone is going to grow at the same speed. But believe me, you will be better together than separate. So don't get mad at the creator that's going faster and growing uh, faster than everyone else or you know just support the one that's a little bit slower and, and and share information and ideas together to help each other grow and don't forget the people that helped you get there if you are the person who got to the top who got to the silver play button three times as fast as everyone else don't forget your friends don't forget the fact that it was those other youtube creator channels that also played a role in the process of getting you where you need to go. It is a process. It takes time. It takes other people to support you, whether other YouTubers or people in your life. And of course, the most important thing is the audience and finding the right audience and delivering, even better, delivering the right material to the right audience. YouTube will find that audience if you make it easy for YouTube to understand what types of videos you create and you do a good job engaging the audience that you want and that will appreciate the work that you're doing. We'll talk to you next time on the Tube Labs podcast.